We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Musso and Moves podcast. This is episode 186 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso with a bountiful cornucopia of sporting news to bring your way mm-hmm. this fine. It's a good Tuesday. way for it. It's it is Tuesday. Tuesday. Usually we've been whole, Wednesday, so you got to ask. A whole time. lot of everything going on. Uh, we got to do a little Bears recap here. We got to talk about NBA season tipping off on this Tuesday evening. A, a pair of high profile matchups Golden State and Brooklyn, and the battle for LA to round things out in the nightcap. We will talk a little college football playoff and the heels of Notre Dame's uh, uh, just face first, you know. uh, here we go again type performance against Clemson. We got locks for you. We got buy or sell. We got a whole lot of everything. But first things first, Matt Rooney, how are you? I'm actually a little bit thrown off because you went back to the old intro now. Yeah, old intro. It's, old you know, intro. You're, I like that you're keeping me guessing. I really do. No, good. Holiday, holidays are coming up. We're, we're getting yeah, close Yeah, a happy there. holiday to you. Uh, happy holidays to all of our listeners. Hoping... Uh, that uh, we're enjoying this time of year. I know it's different. I know everyone's celebrating differently. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm not making the trip to back to Chicago just to make this about me for a moment, as, as one does. But, uh, yeah, not making the trip back, unfortunately. Family's kind of keeping a uh, little pod close. Mm-hmm. i got a big family, both sides of the family, and some people don't aren't feeling as comfortable. So it's, it's, a, it's an odd year. So we're just going to celebrate. We're going to enjoy um, we're gonna hang here in Stanford, do a little drinking. We'll and, get to uh, we'll get to the menu at the end. Each our menus at the end. Yeah, of the we'll, pod, we'll go late menu. We we'll do. go late menu. But uh, Matt, we do need to uh, begin here with the Bears, who find themselves squarely <laughs> in the hunt of for course. a play. They're on the graphic. If the, if Philly would have pulled off the win over Arizona, the Bears are not only on the graphic; they're they're in, they're they're in, in the, the gra- playoffs. Yeah. Um, so before we talk long term, before we talk. Um, playoff prognostication. I, I know you came to me with my level of belief, level of excitement after the win last week, and I had nothing for you. Um, I do have a little something for you today just because I, you can't ignore it now. Mathematically, their it's chances there. are there. Um, we can't just dismiss my the Bears question, anymore. My question is, to what ends? Because this is not a championship team. This is not an NFC champion team. This is a team that's probably going to lose to the Packers in embarrassing fashion even before we get to the playoffs. And if you have to face them a third time in the playoffs, barring that you do capture a victory over someone somehow, we, we feel like the conclusion is foregone. Like, we can celebrate, we can enjoy the Sundays, we can enjoy the wins when they do come, we can enjoy Mitch playing the best football probably of his career here. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it is completely going the opposite direction that this franchise needs to go because the future of this franchise, I still maintain, does not include Matt Nagy, does not include um, Mitch Trubisky, does not include management from the top, uh, Ted Phillips to Ryan Pace. I, I don't believe that the future of this franchise includes any of those names and seeing this sort of success buys them time, uh, lengthens their leash and does 
reopen the opportunity of us coming into the season next year, August, having to listen to the drivel of Matt Nagy and how much he loves the system and the fit of the guys in the system. I'm just... This is that football purgatory where we find ourselves torn between rooting for our team making the playoffs and rooting for the beneficial what's what better for the, the future team. of this team. So where, where do you fall on that on that spectrum right now? I think I'm kind of right in the same spot as you. I, I am still a little bit more. I don't know if it's uh, optimistic is the right word for it. That I, I do think for the most part, anything short of like a legitimate playoff run. I'm not saying sneak in as the seven seed, losing the first round. I'm saying like anything short of winning a playoff game or two. I still think big changes are on the way, and I, whether that is them firing Nagy and Pace, uh, you know, on, on Black Monday, or whether that's them deciding on a president of football operations and letting him uh, make the decision, I, I still think there is again short of one of those runs that none of us really uh, see coming. Um, I, I think that's going to happen, but I'm just somewhat excited to see. Some of the pieces, at least on offense, and I'm going to be excited to watch the next couple weeks on, on, on the offensive side. We've talked about the offensive line struggling so much. We've talked about the inability to run the football. I still think building some of that confidence, having a 150-yard rusher, having guys like Sam Mustfer and Alex Bars coming off the practice squad looking like legitimate, if not NFL you know, yep. starting offensive lineman at least you know sixth men. The, you know, the Better guy, options, the, the swing, the, else. the swing lineman that's going to be able to start. You know, five six games for a year. Seeing Cody White here, I, I don't know what took so long for them to decide to stop forcing the square peg into the round hole with Cody White here at center. He's a guard. He's much better at a guard. He's a dominant guard. Um, so I, I'm excited to see what now looks like a hopeless offense with now now at least have some building blocks. And that very likely doesn't include the quarterback next year, and that's okay. That's always a problem that Bears fans have that I'm kind of used to dealing with. But mm-hmm. it, it seems like it, we talked about a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that four of the five starters, three of the five starters next year in the offensive line need to be replaced. I don't really think that's the case anymore. I, I think now with, with how they're playing and with James Daniels coming back next year, you're really just kind of looking at finding your left tackle and then everything else kind of falls into place so that for yes. me is kind no of, no you need to build off oh, no, no, i'm yeah. talking about on because, the start i'm, tar- I'm talking about yeah on but, the, on but the matt that's that's but what you're doing right now is what management has done for this team they've worried about the 22 guys that they see taking the field and it is a 53 extending to 56 man roster that needs to be stout one through 53 or 50 whatever. i'm not i'm not saying what is it you're not going out drafting multiple offensive linemen i'm not saying that you're drafting, building up the depth picking I'm up saying, free agents i'm that saying for some now, finding value the the one I'm saying win, now you one have, win and a, a running back having three consecutive productive weeks does not mean that your offensive line problems are No, I'm saying your set. depth is a little bit better than you thought. I think now it looks like you do have a few guys that at least can be part of it, no. not the starting spot, the, the depth You're, spot. I'm not saying but that how does that how does that mean but how does that mean your how does that mean your depth has been figured out when the guy coming off the practice squad is now the one you see as the starter? I didn't that say tells me that as a starter. I said both Sam Mustafer and Alex Bars look like they could be possible starters and perfect. or swing guys. Perfect. That's perfect. depth on the offensive line. That's two so guys either, you so just either found that you don't so have to either add either that you've written a, off as guys not going to be here. So either that's for the last ten weeks a failure to assess talent within I'm not the building with that at all. and recognize that those guys that. are the better options at the offensive line. The issue is uh, the other day we were arguing that we had two viable offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. I think we're now arguing the fact that maybe we have three 
maybe four viable offensive linemen. I need six to eight guys who I could interchange and win football games with. The Bears do not have that. Offensive line still needs to be top of their list. Uh, and like, again, let's I'm not, be, not saying let's you not don't need blinded. to address let's the not offensive be blinded line. By I'm David saying you Montgomery have more pieces to it productive now. Weeks. I, never, I didn't say you don't I, I, have to I'd address argue, the offensive line. I'd I said you have a couple don't. more pieces than you thought. I'd argue that you don't, and I'm getting frustrated because, Matt, you're doing right now what Bears fans are going to do on the heels of a couple eh wins. It, it, pretending like things are okay. When did pretending- I pretend things are okay? I never yeah. said that. I said this is a time at the end of a season when you can start evaluating when you start evaluating guys that you think can be here next year. All I'm saying is it seems like you found two guys on the practice squad that have earned a chance to be here next year. That's two less pieces. That's instead of adding eight offensive linemen in the offseason, you might be able to add seven or six. With that's all, all I'm due, saying. I'm not with saying they're your respect, starting center with, and right guard on opening day next year. Well, I with all due respect that. to Alex Bars and whoever else you want to plug in, they aren't. They're P-squad guys. And if, they want to, and if they want to make NFL careers for themselves, this is their opportunity. And perhaps they do earn that opportunity, but you don't go P squad to twenty five million a year. Like I never what, said they're getting twenty five. I know, million I know, but I'm I'm examining. You your, can go practice I'm examining squad to your death. flawed rationale that the Bears somehow have found something. They haven't. This okay, is so let's this is them now. Let's not. No, play that's them that's not let's what I'm saying. Cowell, that's not what matter. I'm saying. It doesn't maybe matter. They're, maybe they're number seven and eight on the depth chart, but you need to go out and. This team is built on a house of cards. There, there's no depth. Pretty at, at, at any at any position grouping. Show me there's a position grouping that has depth. Akeem Hicks goes away, and, and the defensive line becomes a shell of themselves. Uh, on the back end, you saw how flawed they were without a rookie star and Jalen Johnson on the outside. Um, quarterback, we have zero guys, and we're paying millions and millions of dollars to both of them. Running back, David Montgomery has been the silver lining to this group over the last few weeks because he has been featured in this offense. Why he wasn't featured until this point in the season, your guess is as good as mine. There is no depth on this football team, and you will not win without depth. That's why I find myself at this existential crisis of fandom in rooting for them and also realizing that this roster, as it stands, goes nowhere. I'm not I don't, I don't disagreeing care if with Reed's that. your coach. I don't care if Matt Nagy's your coach. Let's not get excited about the fact that some P squad kid can block power. Let's just not get that excited. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm not like through the moon that they. I, I'm saying that they have found guys that in the future can be part of the depth. That's what I've been saying. That's uh, why the, the, the guys that you find to be part of your depth are the late round picks, the undrafted free agents that turn out. That, that those are the guys that ended up being part of the depth for the very good franchise. I'm not saying the Bears roster is anywhere close to where it needs to be. It's obviously not. We've seen it not be close all all year, especially on the offensive side. But I'm saying right now is when you can find pieces that can be part of that depth. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying they're Super Bowl contenders and they're a piece away now next year. To refrain from pushing too far forward here because the future of this team lies in the hands of people who aren't fit to mold that future. Let's talk about what happened against the Vikings. 33-27 defense looked lax in the first half, come up with a couple big stops at the end of the game because Matt Nagy again has trouble calling plays when there's less than four minutes on the clock. Um, yes, he does. To me, to me, this was 
this was a game, you know, we try and fit these games into templates of things we've seen before. And this was Adrian Peterson, Matt Forte, like Dalvin Cook and David mm-hmm. Montgomery both showed up and showed out on Sunday. And it felt like a classic NFC North matchup. Um, it felt like this was maybe the most effective version of the Chicago Bears that we've seen this season um, in, in actually the play calling and what they were trying to accomplish. What strikes me here is that the Bears offense has found something, whether that's due to these guys coming in and filling in on the offensive line, whether that's due to getting Mitch Trubisky out of the pocket, cutting the field in half for him, making the decisions a little bit easier, whether that's turning around and handing it off to David Montgomery. They've now scored 30-plus points in three consecutive games for the first time in seven seasons. Um, that, <laughs> that tell, but that tells me something. It does. That tells, that tells you something, um, and when you're looking at – your potential playoff future relying on a game with the Jaguars and a game with the Packers. Um, you need to go back to that well and continue to sharpen the irons that you've gone to these last three games. Now it is a loss versus the Lions, that first of those, um, th- this trio of games. Um, and it's that probably loss probably going to cost you. That loss falls at the feet of Mitch Trubisky in a bad uh-huh. pass late in the game. Um, maybe some play calling. Again, not to go backwards here, but... Um, what what do you take away from Sunday's game with the Vikings that gives you some sort of optimism here? I'm not going to even talk about the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. This is a Jaguars team now that has Trevor Lawrence on In their platter. I, I don't think they really bring that grand of an effort. But it, it, sometimes in sitting down and like explaining and fleshing things out and having conversations about football with Shelby and having to like she she gets the game and mm-hmm. she loves the game, but sort of the minutia in trades and drafts and other things like having to really boil it down to brass tacks mm-hmm. in just having the conversation with her. I, I sometimes question how much current rosters are invested in future rosters. Like I'd love to see how many Jets players are rostered through next season. How many Jaguars players are rostered through next season? I'm not playing for Trevor Lawrence. I'm playing for my check somewhere else. So I'm trying to show up, play well, win this football game, and earn a check. I don't care about who you want to draft or my draft position. The group of Jaguars players players that the Bears are going to see on Sunday want to win a football game. 100%. They don't want to win Trevor Lawrence. So uh, that sort of dichotomy there, you're, you're still going to get a game out of the Jaguars. Um, but in looking forward to a meeting with the Packers, potentially sitting at 8-7, and seven, um, trying to finish the season above 500 at nine and seven. We pointed to this game at the beginning of the season with the Packers. Um, what gives you hope? I guess would be my question. Uh, what gives me hope is that the Packers now essentially have a two game lead on the Saints, and yeah. if they beat the beat the uh, with Titans on Sunday night, then the Packers will have the one seed locked up. That's kind of what gives me hope. Um, other than that, I, I don't. I, it's weird because the offense, whether that's Bill Lazor's play calling, whether that's Matt Nagy finally deciding to not want to win his way and just do what you know, put his players in the best position and, and try and do what works for the personnel he has, the offense has found something. But at the same time, the defense, whether that's being banged up and there's no guarantee that they'll be healthy by week 17, the defense has seemingly lost something. And I, I don't really know what it is. Um they, two out of the last three weeks, have laid giant eggs. I mean, like you said, the Bears offense for the first time has scored, uh, in seven years, has scored 30 points in, in each of the last three weeks. Two of the, One of those games they lost, and another they were 
pretty darn close to losing as well. I, I think beginning of the year, you say the offense is going to score 30 points a game. We'd say the Bears are going to go 16-0 and because that defense is so good. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess the offense has given me a little bit of confidence because they look the way Bill Lazor is calling plays and the way they're kind of clicking now makes me believe they're not a, a good offense, but at least an acceptable NFL one. But at the same time, uh, we, we can't really have nice things here and we, be, because the defense is now kind of trending downward. So I, I don't really know. I think they're going to win this week. I think it's going to come down to Green Bay. And I think we're probably all just set up for some heartbreak. I need a couple scenarios to play out here. Either you win both football games and make the playoffs, give us something to root for, or mm-hmm. two other possible scenarios. One, you beat the Jaguars and then get blown out by the Packers so badly you that have to fire Matt everyone. Maggie does not make it out of Soldier Field that day. Like You have to fire everyone in the 42 to 3. Day. Something like that. Yeah. Or... You lose to the Jaguars, and Matt Nagy gets fired before the Packers game. Like, mathematically eliminated because some other stuff happens. Win over Packers doesn't do anything for you. Fire them. Let everybody know that, you know, it's it, – do what you want to do against the Packers here. We're restarting. So you either need to lose to the Jaguars, fire everybody. Lose to the Packers poorly, fire everybody. Or make the playoffs and give us something to root for. There's also this fourth scenario where they make the playoffs – beat the Jaguars, lose the Packers, get some help, maybe make it interesting in a playoff game in a wild card round, and Matt Nagy keeps his job. But like, even in last week's win, Matt Nagy found ways to step in his own crap. Like, coming down the stretch, less than four minutes remaining, runs the ball three straight times. Yes, I get it. Put the ball on the ground. Keep the clock moving. Take away their timeouts. And it wasn't going to keep the clock moving because they had timeouts. Mm-hmm. But run take the away ball, their timeouts. Run the ball twice. Take away their timeouts. Then on third down, boot Mitch Trubisky to the wide side of the field and give him one passing option. Release a tight end. Drag a tight end over the, over the top or whatever you need to do. And tell Mitch Trubisky if this is not a layup, if you cannot flick this to that target, tuck the thing and try and get the first down, stay in bounds. Like, like there needs to be a pass. There was, there was no intention of getting a first down. The intention was always take away their timeouts, punt it away, and give the Vikings a minute and some change to work with. Mm-hmm. It, it's bad strategy. Um, three runs, and and all that your opponent needs is a field goal. We were correct, wasn't that? The well, situation? no. So it was thirty to twenty-seven, but uh, it set up a for touch, a chip a shot, pretty much a chip shot field goal for Cairo. 30 to 27. Mr. Automatic. Setting up a, a field goal. You need to, there needs to be better understanding of like game management at that point. You run the ball three times if you're up by five in that scenario because the field goal then makes it eight. So you're, you're essentially saying you have to beat us with two plays. Mm-hmm. If you get the ball back and score a touchdown, you don't beat us scot free. If you're up by three, that field goal makes it six, which it did, 33-27, and a touchdown and an extra Still beats you. beats you. Like, it, it's just that general lack of understanding of the moment of, like, first down wins the game right here. Yeah, we want to run the ball, but maybe we get Mitch Trubisky out of the pocket, give him a run pass sort of look, 
in which we can keep the clock. We're guaranteeing that the clock continues to move, but we're also giving ourselves a little better opportunity of getting a first down than running ISO for a third consecutive time. And what, what I, 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 I kind of scenario think back to. and situational football that is completely like unbeknownst to Matt Nagy still. What I kind of think back to, and I'm sure this was in his head because I, I don't think he ever forgets things like this, is after the Tampa game when he, he threw that uh, he, he did try to throw the ball on third. Was it third down, second down, where they, they basically allowed the Bucks to keep the timeout, mm-hmm. um, and it ended up not really costing them because the Bucks. But what was the play well, call there? I'm trying to that's picture what, it. That's what like, I'm getting to here. Yeah, it, the play call there was essentially just like a full drop to back Allen and Robinson? just kind of threw like a, a quick, like not even like a quick hitch, but almost like a like a was? button hook, like yeah. quick out to Robinson along the sidelines. You know, that's not the right play call. But like you said. If you're doing a little, you know, fake ISO, you know, I fake, you know, left ISO boot right, and you have, yeah, you know, Cole Komet leaking out, and it's either, hey, you're either flicking at the Cole for a sure catch, you're sliding, or you're, you know, just going yeah. down. Like that, that's, there is almost no risk in the clock stopping the there percentage, either. Call something where the percentage of outcomes of the, Clock stopping is next to none. Obviously, you put that decision then into Mitch Trubisky's hand, but you have to trust him and you have to communicate that with your quarterback. Hey, we're going to run play action off the play that we just ran twice in a row. There's one option. We're running the clock. There's one option. And you throw Cole to him Komet's gonna, only if Cole there's a 10-yard opening. He's going to rip out with his hands, and he's going to be three yards from you. If he's wide open and it looks like you can get the first down, underhand it to him. If not, go get whatever you can and slide. And like, I, Another play call that was also kind of weird, curious to me, and was was the end zone interception. Obviously, that was that was a bad throw because it looked like Mitch had those two fades and kind of like almost tried to like throw it in between what them. What are you running? Why? Why? Is, what are you running? If you're gonna fade exactly, from the seven if you're gonna drive. if you're gonna first if you're gonna run an end zone fade from the seven five to your number one guy, I will never ever tell you no, that's a bad play call. No, but give him space to but work. Why are you putting? Splitting JP Holtz out left of Allen Rotwood, that that's just putting in an extra defender. It's giving your number one guy less room to operate, and it's giving your quarterback who already struggles with reads one more thing that he's looking like. No, the, the end zone fade is supposed to be the ultimate don't think, just throw play, and you just added more thinking to it. The you added one that. more variable that can go wrong. Just no, just everybody out to the right, Allen Robinson out to the left. It's one step back, and it's a that little was, flick to the back pylon. It's either out of bounds either, or your guys. That was either one of the worst play calls I've ever seen or a misread by a receiver. Like, that was – who was it outside again, you said? It was like – I think it was J.P. Holtz. So, J.P. Holtz probably had to sit something down there around the line of scrimmage to give Allen Robinson the corner to work with Maybe. if Mitch wanted to put something outside mm-hmm. the way it looked like he did. And – that's either his fault or it's the worst play call I've ever seen in my life. And you know, it's really sad. Like, it's it's sad that we actually have to debate whether it was a misread or the worst yeah. play call we've ever seen in our lives. But uh, in the end, they do eke out the win over the Vikings, thirty-three twenty-seven, which further illuminates a couple of those losses uh, yeah, during really that six-game losing streak. Uh, Lions, you gotta have. Vikings, you gotta have. Titans was a tough ball game. Saints, tough ball game, but you like to have it at mm-hmm. three points. You had to Rams come away with one of those. Yeah, you, you had to you come had away to, with yeah. one of them. They, and they, I think they had that five-game stretch where we were saying, you know, two and three here, you're a lock for the playoffs, and they went 0-5. Yeah, I think that essentially tells the story of what will decide uh, the playoff fate of the Bears or lack thereof. 
uh, that six-game streak uh, is pretty damning. But when you look at the standings and you look at the way that things are playing out right now and you look at the playoff picture with it being expanded this year, opportunity still uh, is on the table uh, as we look at the Bucks sitting at 9-5, and five, uh, a wild-card team as the Saints continue to pace that division at 10-4. and four. Uh, they've already clinched their playoff berth, have not clinched the division. Packers, however, have clinched the North for uh, the millionth time in our mm-hmm. lifetime. Uh, Just an annual really, tradition at this point. It really looks like it's going to come down to the Cardinals and the Bears for that final spot if Tampa Bay can kind of right the ship, no pun intended there. The Cardinals are looking at the 49ers this weekend, which in covering that division, I don't care who's playing quarterback. I don't care who's active and who's inactive. That's kind of a throw-out-the-records type game. Mm-hmm. And then they get the Rams, and it looks like the Rams are going to have something to play for. Obviously, you want the Rams to be in better shape than a loss to an un, a team without a win in the New York Jets last week. But now they do have to, I don't know, put their best foot forward here as they try and come down the stretch so they will have a competitive game against the Rams to finish it out. Yeah, but so- it is sort of a, a similar setup to the Bears in Game that it looks like on paper you should win, followed by game with a tough team, possible NFC title hopeful. Yeah, I mean, the, like you were talking about with the 49ers, any game in that NFC West division, I feel like more than any any other, is one of those throughout the record books type games. Like even the Cardinals in the years they were bad gave all those teams troubles. The years the Rams were bad before they got good, they were beating the Seahawks, you know, Jared Goff's really uh, rookie year. So anything can happen with that, with those last two Cardinals games. And again, I, I, they're going to be underdogs against the Rams, and the Rams are going to have to win out to win. The, uh, have to win. They played the Seahawks this week, so that's uh, going to be a must. I believe, win. Yes, I believe they got to see, so that if, if they win that this week, which now they really have to, that's going to be a must-win game for the division for them. So the opportunities are probably going to be there for the Bears. I just don't really uh, something's going to go wrong because it always does. Um, who do you believe in in the NFC? I've asked you this. I think three straight podcasts. That's a great now, question. I don't. Um, It really looks like it's going to come down to like a Seattle, Green Bay, nobody plays defense matchup, and then one of them will play Kansas City or Buffalo in the Super Bowl, and Kansas City or Buffalo both have shown the propensity Mm -hmm. to put up points just with zero regard for the defense. So I don't think I don't think Green Bay or Seattle's defense can match up with anyone out of the AFC in the Super Bowl. It looks like Kansas City back-to-back or, or Buffalo really shakes a trend here. I don't know what they're going to look like come playoff time, but they looked fantastic uh, last week in their division clinching win over who they beat this past week. They beat uh, Buffalo. They beat the, Buffalo they, beat the Broncos. Uh, Broncos. Buffalo they beat the Broncos. smoked the Broncos. No, not Saturday to say night. that it's a tough Broncos team, but uh, they've now won four straight. Josh Allen looks like an MVP hopeful. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got the Dolphins and Patriots left, so they'll probably end up 13-3. and three. But my point here is – uh, lopsided is the NFL right now. Is Green Bay like a default answer? Are, are you that hyped on an eleven and three Green Bay team? Take your biases away from this. Like, no, what it's, do you see? In it's the weird in the see? NFC because it, like you can win the NFC this year without being that great of a football team. I mean, that's just they, the it NFC weird is, to say, but I, is I a whole I lot of average. Yeah, um, I think that I think that this Packers team is again just like the epitome of. Aaron Rodgers, not the epitome because he's a Super Bowl champion, but Mm -hmm. the representation of Aaron Rodgers' career as the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Always going to win the division. Always going to be in the playoff conversation. More times than not, not more times than not, but a a substantial amount of times you're going to find yourself playing on the second to last Sunday of the season in the NFC Championship game. Mm -hmm. And 
as Aaron Rodgers has done in the past, perhaps you win that game and then you go get your brakes blown off in a Super in, Bowl. In, like in a game here overmatched. I just don't see Green Bay's defense having the ability to slow down any one of these high-octane AFC teams. Um, I know the Steelers currently sit in third. They got a lot to figure out. Big Ben's arm looks like it's gone. It noodle. looks like it's jello. But if we're talking about Kansas City, Buffalo, Tennessee, man. We'll see him play Tennessee this week. And I know it's not playoff football. I know it's not the Super Bowl matchup. But, I mean, both teams are in the thick of races. I mean, Tennessee is yeah. tied for the top of the division. Um, I don't know who holds that tiebreaker because I believe they split the uh, the season series. The Packers still playing for a one seed, so that's kind of a de facto playoff game there for both teams. I still I'm gonna. It's weird to say that I'm gonna go. I, I think I like the Saints coming out of the NFC, but not because of Drew Brees. Brees bad. Because of Brees their, be, bad. he did, but that defense played really well. And as bad as Drew Brees looked at times, like. They lost to the Kansas City Chiefs by three points. Like they, they played a football their, game with the Kansas City Chiefs, who are far and away up. the best team in football. They got the ball to some playmakers. Michael Thomas will hopefully be back in the playoffs. But to Drew, me right Drew now, Brees looks bad. To me right now, the Saints are the Steelers. Put them at the top of the conference if you want, for all I care. They just don't scream championship team to me because of an aging quarterback. Now, have we seen aging quarterbacks over the last decade, half decade win Super Bowls? Yes, Peyton Manning did it. Couldn't throw a spiral. Might as well have punted it. Uh, Tom Brady's arm in that last Super Bowl run with the Patriots, not necessarily not what it was. They got a little bit more West Coasty. Um, well, I do want to clarify. Just, I'm not saying I think the Saints are like a Super Bowl team. I think. I'm talking about in terms of winning the NFC. The NFC, yeah. I, I'm talking um, about in terms of, I think once you get to the Super Bowl, I think you, maybe the Titans, but for the most part, you're looking at the Chiefs or the Bills. And I think it's it's a Super Bowl that's not going to be all that close because I think those teams think, are both playing really good football. I think they those are the two best teams in football right now, and they're kind of starting to click. No, I shouldn't say the Chiefs are starting to click. They're 13-1. and one, but Yeah, uh, they've been clicking. But, they've been uh, clicking for two years now. Yeah. Um, one team who I think people kind of shuffled off to the wayside after a trio of losses to the Patriots, Titans, and Steelers are the Baltimore Ravens, but they're mm-hmm. still 9-5. and five. Uh, They're in the eighth seed in the AFC right now, and they have games with the Giants and the Bengals. So let's just put it down on paper. That's how much better the AFC is than the NFC this year. So uh, we're looking at 11-5 and in the back end of the playoffs because they'll probably be third, maybe second Mm -hmm. in the AFC North, probably second in the AFC North when it's all said and done. I I like a Baltimore team that doesn't feel any pressure because they've shown in the past that, like, the pressure does affect them in the moment in the big game, and they're going to be able to. They're going to be faced with that pressure again, but they're kind of just lurking right now and finishing their season without the outside pressures. I think that's a very live dog in uh, in the Baltimore Ravens right now. Yeah, you know, I think they're going to get there um, because, like, like you said, the remaining schedule really does favor them. It is a much probably better situation for them too, not being the odds-on favorite. You know, big dog number one seed going to the playoffs. That said. They still kind of struggle to play from behind against good teams, and if you're sneaking yeah. in as that final seven seed, the Chiefs would be the one getting the bye. But you're going to go play Buffalo, who's again clicking on all cylinders, plays really good defense, stops the like. That's not the best situation. Whether it's Buffalo or it's Tennessee, like that's that's doesn't really favor you because you're going to have to at some point turn to Lamar Jackson and tell him to throw the ball around the yard, and that's just not. That, that's an offense that kind of throws the ball off the run, not one that is you know, goes down quickly and needs to start throwing the football. So I, I like them to make the playoffs. I think they're a, a 
I think they are a dangerous team that no one would want to play. That said, I think in a first-round matchup against the Bills or a Chiefs, which is very unlikely to be again, I, I don't think that favors them at all. Yeah. Yeah, um, Matt. We want to make some predictions here. Uh, put some gifts under the tree for the football season ahead. We're not going to do a whip around. A lot of the games were stinkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the games were head scratchers. You had two Super Bowl contenders, quote unquote, uh, fall over the weekend to lesser teams. That being the Pittsburgh Steelers and the uh, whatever canteen you're drinking out of right now. Is Sorry, very loud. Some some iced um, coffee. The Got a Pittsburgh Yeti. Steelers. Got a Yeti. And, it's very cool. uh, You've now broken my train of thought. Who else lost this weekend? Uh, the Rams. Favorite. The Rams. Well, the Rams. Would call them a fa- yeah, I guess in the, in the yeah, NFC, NFC favorite. favorite. I mean, I, I I picked them three weeks ago as my NFC favorite. I have to stand by it. I don't know who that Rams team was. Um, I'm not sure they do. And the most angry people in the world right now are Jets fans because uh, – Oh, my God. Lose, I kind of feel bad for them. You, know? you lose a possible generational talent in Trevor Lawrence. Um and we move on from here. I would have loved to have been in the room with Trevor Lawrence watching that football game. Like, where does his heart of hearts want to be? Jacksonville? I think you got to be Jacksonville. I just, I, I think, I think, I think the muted persona of Trevor Lawrence fits in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Let him make his mistakes. Let him grow. Um, you're going to get bombarded coming out of the roof, Chris. But like, you don't have to worry about the New York media barreling down at you at mm-hmm. every turn of your maturation as an NFL quarterback. Um, I also think that we've talked about situations defining quarterbacks, not that either of those is a super beneficial situation, but ownership management and leadership in Jacksonville has shown the ability to turn things around quickly uh, in the past. Uh, we saw them. They also have a ton of draft picks. Ton of draft picks, um, some talent still. I mean, they they traded away most of the defense, but they've showed the ability to rebuild mm-hmm. uh, in the Quicker. recent past. They went from bottom of the division to AFC Championship game and an interception away from being in that spot rather than the Patriots three mm-hmm. years ago. So uh, um, I think that that that's the spot for Trevor Lawrence. But let's make some bold predictions here. I will lead us off. Go for it. I'm going to make a prediction that the NFC representative in the Super Bowl will be a wild card team. So that's uh, okay. I like that. I, I like that Not, simply because a, a non-division champion yeah, so, will be the representative of the NFC just because of the parity I like that and way. the it's lack a of a front runner mad- that division like like we were mm-hmm. just kind of I'm sorry conference conference and quite honestly as much as they're not really clicking on all cylinders and seem to have some problems there Tom Brady's gonna be a wild card team and if you told me right now Tom Brady's gonna be in the Super Bowl in the NFC I would not call you crazy at all whatsoever I don't think that's a bad pick I, I really don't you got anything uh I do I think This is probably pretty bold, but here goes nothing. I I think not only are they going to win their division at probably under 500, I I think the Washington football team is going to win a playoff game. I I think it's partially because it it might be going against my pick of the Saints being, you know, a a team that could challenge, but they play such good defense. They are so well coached and really play for that head coach. And if it, now I, I should put an asterisk on this, it's if Alex Smith is healthy. Um, if Alex Smith is because healthy have you seen this? Football, have you now, seen the recent? Yeah, stuff Dwayne Haskins about, is getting cut now. Apparently, Jesus. Uh, well, he's he's getting cut because he's a he damn went to, fool. Yeah, yeah, he went to a strip club like, after what throwing multiple doing? after throwing multiple interceptions against a Seahawks team. 
while you're in a playoff run, your coach just beat cancer, and you're at a strip club with no mask on mm-hmm. with booty shaking in your face. <laughs> like, he's an, it's he's the a middle moron. of a pandemic, my guy. I mean, um, that, that's why I'm saying it's, it's very contingent on Alex Smith Alex being Smith healthy, being but healthy. I just – I think that team runs the football okay. They play really, really good defense and rush the passer about as well as anybody. Um, and when There's it a comes great, to the playoffs, like the, those are yeah. the teams that again they're not going to a Super Bowl or anything, but those are the teams that can kind of steal host, wins here and they there. Might be hosting a game. They'll as, be as hosting a game. Most, yeah. I mean, if, if they're in the playoffs, they're hosting a first round game. Yeah. Um, I like them to win a playoff game. I, I really do. That is very bold. Uh, as the football team, they might have to keep the name if that does happen. But do you, do, you the, do you stay the football team if you want a playoff game? No, in you, a division? you can't. You can't stay the football team. You just Could, can't. You stay the football um, team. Uh, but back back to kind of the, the Dwayne Haskins uh, conversation. God, he's such a moron. Perfect depiction of it was him walking off the field after the loss, and Chase Young runs up behind him, hits him on his ass or hits him on his back twice, and gives him a look like get into the locker room and he does like this lazy jog into the locker room. So mm-hmm. there's, there's the future of a franchise and there's a young man who doesn't have much of a future in the NFL. I, no. I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone's going to have any interest in picking up a problem in Dwayne Haskins. He has an opportunity in front of him right now with Alex Smith being injured to prove that he can be something that, that maybe he could even just be a serviceable backup and he's fumbling the bag. Mm-hmm. That's what he's doing right now. As the kids say these days, he is fumbling the bag, fumbled the uh, bag. I got one more bold prediction for you. And my bold prediction, it's reactionary, it's knee-jerk. Sure, but I love your those. NFL MVP offensively will be Josh Allen. I think that Pat Ooh. Mahomes deserves it. But I also think that Pat Mahomes has a game with the Falcons, who have been playing very well over this mm-hmm. last stretch of games, and a game with the Chargers, who, you know, I, I don't think you could have asked for anything more out of a rookie quarterback in Justin Herbert than he has given them. I think that I think that the Chiefs slip up in one of these two football games, and I think that Pat Mahomes throws a couple interceptions in that slip-up game, and I think that Josh Allen continues to dominate in his two remaining games, and I think over these next two weeks, Josh Allen convinces everybody and some recency bias factors in, and he wins the NFL MVP. I am glad you mine kind of goes into yours a little bit. I guess it's not really a bold one that affects the playoff race at all, but my bold prediction is that Week 17, the Chargers are going to beat the Chiefs. Because I, okay. I think the Chiefs are going to be not playing for as much. I do. I don't think Andy Reid's going to pull everybody, but I also mm-hmm. think from what we've seen from your guy Justin Herbert, especially the last, you know, hey. he was fantastic <laughs> against. I had to I had to throw that jab. Oh in there. no no no! Can we? Can I take? Can I take two seconds here? You can uh, to to raise my hand on a couple of things. Hand up, Justin Herbert. After <laughs> it, it's pretty apparent now, after breaking most of the rookie passing records, that I see it now. Yeah, I he's, see he's what everyone was seeing. He is a very good quarterback. I will give that to him. I also have to raise my hand and say I was wrong about Kyler Murray. Not to a, a vast extent because we've seen uh, some, some kinks we've in the seen, armor. We've seen some flashes but, of greatness and some flashes of boneheadedness. He did get to seven wins, which I said he would never do as a starting quarterback mm-hmm. in the NFL. Um, so I have to raise my hand on that one as well. So uh, Better those are my quarterback two. evaluator, Joe Musso, Ryan Pace. Uh, probably still Joe Musso. I'll go Joe Musso still, I think. Because I'll go Joe Musso. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't know. That. Just yeah. I don't know. That. Um, but Stuff. no, I, I just the way Justin Herbert's playing. I know they're not the most well coached team, but I, I think that team still has some talent. Justin Herbert's really good. They're going to be playing for you know I don't want to say 
pride, yeah, but like going out on a good note with some of those guys. Talk about guys playing for jobs probably still next year. They got a whole lot to play for in Week 17. The Chiefs are going to have absolutely nothing to play for in Week 17. Give me the give me Justin Herbert redeeming him that that overtime loss at home earlier in the year to Pat Mahomes. He he, he gets his redemption, wins an arrowhead. I like it, uh, Matt. Let's get some locks of the week here. Uh, looking back at last week, I pushed. Uh, my Rutgers storyline was spot on until Noah Vetra was unable to play because <laughs> of that injury in the prior week. Uh, it was a seven-point spread. Rutgers uh, loses by seven. It's a push. I sit at seven, seven, and one. Matt, your bet hit. Remind me what that was again. What was my bet again? I'm uh, blanking. Why am I blanking? I know it hit. Oh, texted it's me when it won. Texas A&M. A&M. Uh, smoke, uh, Tennessee. Little, little spotty early going, but ended up smoking them. You moved to 7-8, seven and eight, so I'm 7-7-1 seven, seven and one with a half-game lead. You're 7-8 and eight on the season. Matt, why don't you give the people your lock for this uh, Christmas edition of Locks of the Week here on Moose and Roots? I am going to go with your Miami Dolphins. Uh, Let's go. Laying, up. laying three in Vegas. Um, Vegas just not – they're just not very good right now. John Gruden's teams yeah. always seem to falter down the stretch. Flip side, the Dolphins' defense is playing as good as it is. The offense isn't quite there, but you know they weren't all that healthy. Still put up 22 points to the rookie quarterback on, on Bill Belichick's defense at home. I like them right now. I like the way they're playing. And I think most importantly, they're still in a playoff race and kind of in a must-win game because they got the Bills in Week 17 and you can't bank on winning that. So if, if they want to make the playoffs in this hotly contested AFC, they absolutely have to beat Vegas to get to 10-5. and five. And I think Brian Flores, who I've talked about to no end on this podcast, how much of a fan I am of him, uh, gets the boys going. I think the Dolphins uh, win probably a lower scoring affair, but you know something along the lines of 27-10, you know, 24-10, something like that over the Raiders. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's an interesting time right now for the Raiders. Their cars, is car back out. is, Mar- is he, no, no. It was a significant groin injury. Okay, I, I like, knew he had they're to talking didn't about see the significance of it. And and I'm sorry because Derek Carr has had a really productive season he as has. the quarterback of the Raiders. Another guy. Uh, people were talking about people. Uh, no, I th- did I write him off? Yeah, you said he was the same as Mitch. I mean, he did. He, it's okay, but. Okay. We all thought I didn't disagree with you totally. Now, now I'm not stepping. I'm not stepping back from that because the point I'm trying to make here is that both Mitch Trubisky and Derek Carr could be looking for work at the end of That's the season, true. regardless of the way that they played. Um, I, I still believe John Gruden wants this whole thing in his image, and he's done a great job of building this roster in his image, maximizing draft picks, going to get a feature back in Josh Jacobs, going to get a pass rusher in Cleveland Farrell, who's taken a step back this year, has had some injuries. But mm-hmm. building this roster, finding value places uh, like Chicago in the form of Nick Kwiatkowski, um, he's had a bit of a resurgence in his role with the Raiders. Like John Gruden wants it to be his. And that's still, regardless of the success Derek Carr has had, it's not his quarterback. He did not make that decision. That decision was made for him. And, and, and John Gruden doesn't like that. The thing now, about does John, that too does is John Gruden like who Derek Carr is as a person. 100%. Mm-hmm. Does he like who he is as a leader? 100%. Does he like who he is as a quarterback? Probably. But will John Gruden's ego say, that's my quarterback and someone else made the decision for me. And the thing with that too is he was kind of tied to him the last couple of years because of that contract. But mm-hmm. now after this year, no longer. The, yeah. the dead cap next year becomes two and a half million. So you free up 
I, I don't know what the Raiders cap situation is. I know they have made some some signings the last few, but either way, if you're Mike Mayock and you see a chance, hey, we can, you know, sign Marcus Mariota maybe to a one or two year deal and pay him eight a year, nine a year, something like that. Uh, as a kind of a placeholder to draft transition, whatever yeah. transition, whatever. And that gives me 10 more million dollars to play with that. That's another linebacker. I can go add in free agency or whatever yep. you want to talk. So that makes sense to me because is Derek Carr a guy that's going to win you a Super Bowl? Probably not. I mean, maybe in the perfect with situation, a, but like with he, a, you can with a top three defense. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And you Derek can't Carr build can, that top. Derek Carr three can right win. Now. Derek Carr can win a Super Bowl if he has the right defense mm-hmm. around him. I, I think he's on a list of guys who I could see hoisting a Lombardi Trophy conceivably with his skill set, but. Right now, the right way they're now, built. That 10, 11 million in cap space is probably a little bit more valuable to you. So yeah. I, I, um, I, I can definitely see next year you know, Derek Carr looking for a home, new home. Nothing due to what he to, did this year, just with the situation. Uh, back to the root of the issue here. Um, a very, a very uh, interesting scenario for the Raiders as they do come into your lock of the week matchup with the Dolphins. Interesting storyline here. And last week, uh, you had, uh, what was it? No, 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 that's a different matchup. But interesting storyline this week is the two Hawaiian-born quarterbacks going to go up against each other here uh, for Ohana, for family. There that's you go. For what? All right, you got, you got Tua. Seat at the head got, of the table. You got Mariota. Some big-time bragging rights on the Big Island uh, this weekend in that matchup. My lock of the week matchup is going to take us back to Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. They're mm-hmm. laying seven against the Patriots Monday night football I just think that this Bills team is peaking at the right moment. I think Mm -hmm. that this is, you know, they're division champs, but this is their opportunity to look Bill Belichick and that Patriots team in the face and say, this is for the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they're a superior football team. I think Cam Newton is playing some of the worst uh, quarterback. I think some of the worst quarterback quarterback play we've seen out of any quarterback this year, starter, backup, otherwise – um, I think that the Bills are at least 10 points better than the Patriots on paper. They don't play them on paper. We'll see how it plays out. But I'm taking the Bills, laying seven, Monday night football. Is that in Buffalo or New England? I believe that's in New England. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I like that pick. I, the Patriots seem to be a little bit on life support. Even They kind of came out with some fire, at least defensively. But it, 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 it's similar to a Bears situation, I think, with that defense, too, when you know how limited the offense is, it's going to be hard to continue to keep you know getting up, especially against these good teams that are going to give you a hard and at, time. And at what point? And the Bills are peaking absolutely at, at the right time. At what point does Bill Belichick start positioning himself for a draft pick or for multiple draft picks? I'd be at what point? I think I'm that's why Cam Newton still. Started. I know. I know that they. I know that we've been having the tank for Trevor conversation. That idiotic conversation is are the Patriots going to just stick with Stidham before they went and got Cam are they going to stick with Stidham and try and only win two games and go get Trevor Lawrence reload this and that no but now that you find yourself on the outside of the playoff picture looking in you have to be cognizant of where you leave yourself um, Mm -hmm. because there's a big difference from the fourth pick in the draft and the 12th pick in the draft and that's that four through ten is kind of where the Pats find themselves right now. Yeah, I mean, they're positioning themselves, especially if they do have not a great finish. I'm trying to look up their, uh, the, the league standings here. If you'll give me a second, my computer's moving a little bit slow. Uh, I mean, they're close to a top 10 pick, and if you are in that top 10, no, you're not getting Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, but 
that puts you in a spot for one of the next three. If you like one of those guys, puts you in a spot to trade up. If you want one of those guys, that, yeah, or no, it, it puts you. If you're Bill Belichick, what he likes to do, capital. puts you in a spot it's, to trade back. If you don't capital. like any of those guys yeah. and somebody wants to jump up for him, you can trade back. You know, five picks. He'll and trade. Get, he'll you know, trade the eighth, three extra. He'll picks. trade the eighth overall pick for the twentieth, the twenty-first, the forty-second, and mm-hmm. the hundred and seventh. Like that's probably what he's the Ryan. <laughs> Yeah, probably to Ryan Pace. That's it. Uh, Matt, what else oh, do no, we I'm have here for now. the people here? We got a little buy or sell. Yeah, uh, we got to go buy or sell uh, association style. It is mm. opening night opening of the night. NBA. The Lakers confetti fell to the floor in the bubble 71 days ago, and they will Wild. get the season started uh, tonight at 10 Eastern time. Leading things off is the matchup of the Brooklyn Nets, and they have – why am I blanking on it? Brooklyn Nets and Golden State Warriors. Yes. So you have your your matchup of Kevin Durant, his old friends there. In Golden State, um, Kyrie Irving's going to be saging the arena prior to most likely God. to get all the good vibes going. Uh, but Matt, let's uh, let's do some buy or sells here in the NBA. Sort of take stock of the league. I'm gonna I'm just gonna go right to the root of the issue here. Odds Love on that. favorites. Odds on favorites to win the championship right now are the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, their roster only got better from the championship roster a year ago. Buy or sell, Matt. The Lakers win the West. Um, I'll probably buy it because it just seems like the safe pick. I do think the Clippers will be a little bit better this year. I'm, I'm interested to see. Um, how they kind of respond to flaming out last year. But like you said, the Lakers roster got better. They added what Montrezl Harrell. Did he win six man of the year? Or was he just in the one of the top? It. Okay, he won it. Didn't remember if he won it or was, you know, right up there for it. Um, they added to some depth. Anthony Davis got new paper. So that's that's all taken care of. LeBron got new paper too. <laughs> well, LeBron got new paper. Uh, those, those guys are... They're the bet until they, you know, kind of like the, I don't want to call them the Patriots because they're not, but LeBron's teams are the bet until, you know, kind of proven otherwise. So, yeah, I, I will, I like them to win the West. I just not going to bet against them until they show me that I should. It, the only thing here is like, if you're giving me the Lakers or the field in the West, I'm probably going to sell on it and take the field uh, just because of the, you know, so who else other than the Clippers are you taking? Like if you're like, yeah, I know technically I you get 15 I, other teams. I, the Clippers to but me there's are like two teams. The, like the Clippers to me are out of sight, out of mind a little bit here. Like they're okay. so yeah, who, they're good. Who, who do you like then in the end? I like the two teams that really make me interested in, in the Western Conference, and it would be substantial jumps forward in the standings from the last few years. The Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks. I I, I think that Dallas another year. Luca is going to emerge as the top star three, MVP. top five, maybe MVP type. I think Dallas has got a really good shot if they can stay healthy. I think Phoenix with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. I mean, that's a top mm-hmm. four seed to me. Um, I think that the Lakers' biggest thing working against them is not their opponents, is not their rosters, is not LeBron being in year eighteen. It is having to play seventy-one days. Not off. just, I mean, 72 games. No, I mean, 71 it, days off. 71 days off between their championship and starting the season. So if you have to look at it, that's like a 72 game season. Let's play it forward another 20 games through the playoffs if they are going to go to the championship. So that's 20 plus 72. You got 92 right there, plus the 30 plus games. The 20, yeah, let's call it 30 mm-hmm. games that they played in the bubble prior to. You're looking at like 120 some games 
in like a 200-something day space. It's just a lot of basketball on a seven-footer like Anthony Davis. Yeah, yeah they're going to they're gonna find their load management even though the league's ruling against find them. Their they're going to find their moments. There's going to be injuries, little nicks and dings that they're going to make bigger so guys can get a week off here or there. I just think it's a it's a marathon for the Lakers that it isn't for some of these other teams. That's I don't fair. Know how, I don't know how things are going to work in Brooklyn to take it to the East, but that's a Brooklyn team that's been on ice for eight months. I don't know how things are going to work for a, a team like Phoenix, but they've been on ice uh, since the bubble closed up and it turned to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just think that there's other teams that are positioned – uh, more favorably. Now, do they have the roster? Do they have the best player in the world in LeBron James? Do they have the best duo in the league in LeBron James and Anthony Davis? No. But things that we often see as cut and dry in the NBA are anything but. I, I think it's going to be a very interesting year in the West. And I, I agree with you because I'm not sure the Lakers are going to get the one seed in the West. Because I do think, like you said, there's a lot more depth. The they, they are going. No, I thought you said like win the Western <laughs> Conference, like go to the NBA Finals. Yeah, win the West. Yeah, get no, the so one I. Seed. Oh, you're saying in the playoffs? No, I think they'll win the West in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to go into the playoffs as the the one one seed, seed, if that makes sense. Um, Because I think, like you said, there's going to be some load management days. LeBron's going to, even on games he plays, he knows kind of when to take off a little bit. Um, Uh But when it comes down to it in the NBA, I am just, I'm always going to bet on the best talent, and they have right now the best talent. That's fair enough. Um, What do you got for me? I will let's go let's go let's start national then we'll go local for my second one. Okay. Um, James Harden all over the uh, the rumor mill obviously looking looking thick in that preseason game but um, next question <laughs> next question buy or sell James Harden is a Houston Rocket at the All Star break. Buy. I, I just don't know that there is a if this deal does not get done in the next few hours after us recording this prior to the tip of the season I think he's on the Rockets for the remainder of the season because okay. he's not the type of asset. He's a $40 million guy. He's not yeah. the type of asset. It's easy to move at the deadline. If you haven't been able to find a suitor for them because you're asking for star power in return for star power, like they, they've been talking to Philly about Ben Simmons. Uh, they've been talking to Brooklyn. The Heat were but, one but team, but the, they've been talking to Brooklyn, Brooke, but it's got to involve Kyrie. They've been talking to the Heat, but the Heat don't even want to give up Tyler Hero for anything. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't know that it sets up. I don't. I don't know that there's a an obvious suitor now. Is James Harden going to be difficult and shoot thirty shots a night and do his, his ISO thing? Not really worry about his teammates and you know go go even further down this uh, path of ISO ball. Probably, it's probably mm-hmm. what we're going to see. It's probably what we're in store for. But I, I just don't. It's less of a matter of the situation in Houston, and it's more of a matter of the situation anywhere else. And Houston's willingness to give up uh, a star and one of the greatest scorers that the game's ever seen for pennies on the dollar. I, I think that, and I also think it's important that Houston does not kowtow to the talent. Make an unhappy player play. Sorry. You're a Houston Rocket. You're going to make $41 million this year. Go play basketball. Yeah, it's a player's league. Yeah, guys can move around and maneuver as they please, but we cannot find anyone who's going to give us what we believe you're worth. So that's us in a way complimenting you and saying, sorry, you know, you're too good for us to give away for nothing. Sit down, go play basketball for the Houston Rockets. Like yeah. that, that's, that's, that's a conversation that's not being had between players and organizations all that often anymore. And, and I, I, not to say that like there needs to be some pushback on this player empowerment because go get your money, do what you need to do. But 
There needs to be a, a balance struck between management and players in the NBA, and that balance, I think, is tipped too far in the way of the player. Yeah, management kind of needs to start not taking back the power a little bit because technically they still have to, but I, I do agree. It, just because a player says, I want out, doesn't mean you need to move you know, heaven and earth to get him out. It means if it works for us, we'll get you out, but if not, suck it up, make your $40 million and, and, and stick around and play basketball. Apologies for the abrupt ending to this week's episode of the Moose and Runes podcast. Had a few technical difficulties on our end, a little file corruption there on the uh, on the transfer to the audio software, unfortunately. But uh, we wanted to still wish you guys a happy holiday season. Got to that at the end of the podcast. Unfortunately, we did not get that to transfer over. So from Joe and I, we wish you guys a Merry Christmas. We'll be back next week, finish up our NBA topics, get some college football topics in there. Um, and of course, recap the bears and all that. But from uh, our families to yours, have a very Merry Christmas, happy holiday season, be happy, healthy, and uh, have a good one. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.